Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life better than your first. I'm talking today with Ronald Fatula, the principal and founder of Ronald Fatula & Associates, which has long been recognized as one of New York's top elder law firms. For more than 30 years, Ron has been devoted to advising families about legal and financial challenges of aging, but not just living longer, aging with confidence, grace, and dignity, and with less anxiety, the other day, Ron and I were, were talking about uh, a video uh, uh, that, that of Bruce Springsteen, where the boss sits down with an interviewer uh, and talks about making his album letter to you. As he begins the interview, asks Bruce how he's been dealing with this pandemic, largely isolated at home. Springsteen laughs and he says, I'm like everybody else. I'm just taking it one day at a time. That's all you can do. And I think that is true for most of us. There's so much uncertainty and stress simply trying to keep things together and manage our lives day by day. It's hard to plan ahead for the next half of your life when you're not sure what to expect beyond next week. But if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that life can take an unexpected turn at any moment. And this is exactly the time we should make sure that we're prepared, that our family's legal affairs, long-term care, and estate plans are in order, even if we think we're years away from retirement. So, how do we take care of such critical needs, especially in a time of social distancing and virtual meetings? For thoughts on these and much more, let's meet our guest, Ron Fatula. Welcome, Ron. It's great to have Thanks. you on the show. Thanks so much, Ron. So we're the two Rons today. <laughs> that's, that's right. I'm but, delighted to be here. Right. For those of you who aren't familiar, that Ron and I would do presentations together on, on occasion, and we would dub ourselves the two Ronnies, which is sort of after uh, <laughs> Uh, this British comedy show in the, 80, in the 70s and 80s, um, uh, Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett. But uh, it was certainly better than being known as Thing 1 and Thing 2. So, <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> yes, yeah. So so you, I've heard you uh, uh, give presentations on quite a variety of things. Um, but, uh, and, you know, whether it's wills and estates and advanced directives and Medicaid planning and guardianships, but... Why don't we start with a couple of the things that really people should focus on and just make sure that they're in place, you know, during the course of this pandemic. And I guess I would start with things like wills, you know, healthcare proxies, um, uh, power, powers of attorney, and I guess living wills. Um, so yeah, maybe- yeah. So yeah, aside from the possibility of a trust, uh, everyone should have a will uh, as they age, a power of attorney for planning purposes, uh, a healthcare proxy, or in some states, that's called a power of attorney for healthcare decision making. In New York, we call it a healthcare proxy and a living will. Uh, I'm happy to go over those documents uh, if you'd like, Ron, or we could have a conversation about it. Well, well uh, I guess the, the, my question is whether there are, you know, uh, I, I guess you mentioned too that things change state by state. But what oh, yeah. should people look for? For example, in New York, there's there's certain changes in an expa- expanded power of attorney. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, what should things, especially with a healthcare proxy and the power of attorney, what sh- what things are important elements of these two documents? Sure. So so let's dissect it a little bit. Uh, a power of attorney uh, is when when an individual who's a principal gives the right to another individual or individuals, plural, to handle their finances. And uh, the, the concept being as an individual ages, uh, God forbid, should they become incapacitated or it's more difficult for them to, to make their own decisions or even just they don't have the wherewithal or strength to handle uh, some of these decisions or they simply don't want to as they age, then they've named someone else that they've cherry-picked, they hand-picked, who will work with them uh, and someone that they trust to handle their affairs on a financial basis and with the healthcare proxy on a, you know, to make healthcare decisions. Uh, 
And I think it's absolutely crucial to have these documents in place as you age. Uh, there's one thing that the pandemic has taught us, and maybe Bruce Springsteen has taught us as well. It's one day at a time. You never know what's gonna be happening from one day to the next. You know, it's interesting in March, uh, when the pandemic hit, I had an argument with my receptionist and uh, she said, Ron, I, when I closed the office, uh, closed the law office, she said, you are not closing. I am coming to work. This is what I love. I'm coming to work. Well, bottom line is, unfortunately, she got the coronavirus and did pass away. You never know. She never missed one day of work in 18 years. And there she, she passed away from the, uh, from the virus. And uh, it was a very sad time for us. But the point being, you just simply don't know. And this pandemic has really put it right in front of our faces. Right. So you want to plan ahead because if God forbid one day something like this happens to you and you need somebody to make financial and or medical decisions for you, you want someone that you trust, you know that they're going to make the decisions you want and you're confident that they're going to do everything they're supposed to do because you're handpicking them, they know exactly what your healthcare wishes are and they know what you want to do with your assets. Now, what, Ron, let me just um, pick yeah. up from there. So who should these people be? I know that they're all, they often get sensitive in a family, like who should be the healthcare proxy, who should be the power of attorney, and um, it can get tricky. And, and once you pick this person, where should these documents be and who should have them in addition to the person specifically? Okay. Uh, we typically keep uh, copies of everything. So if a client loses something, we know uh, who the agents are, we have copies, but the individual, you know, I might call that individual mom or dad, uh, should have the original. And sometimes a child or whoever is named as the agent should have an original copy as well, uh, depending on the document. Uh, if you're talking about a will, there's only one original will. Uh, but these other documents, it's good to have a couple of them. And uh, uh, it's good for the agent to have a copy as well as the principal, mom or dad. Um, you don't want these advanced directive documents to be in the vault in a bank, because what if you need to use, use them and make a healthcare decision on a Saturday or Sunday when the bank is closed? So you want them to be handy. Now, should there be, um, I think one time you mentioned to me that the, it might be actually handy to have them for the, for the person themselves in their wallet, at least, you know, the, some of the important documents in case, you know, they're some place where people aren't, you know, readily accessible, but also yeah. are they, are these things that you can, you can put online in some sort of safe way for your, um, uh, you know, your, your, your loved ones to, to access it. And yeah. emergency great, great question, Ron. And I typically don't hear that, uh, but yes, there are companies actually that do this online uh, where you have a portal, many financial advisors do it, uh, and uh, many companies have been set up to have a, uh, an online portal for all of this. I know for our clients, uh, if anyone needs a document, we can be reached almost any time and, and send that document to them. Everything is, is digital. Uh, but, uh, I do know that many states, and New York State included, was thinking about, there have been proposals to have a statewide directory uh, or depository of advanced directives, healthcare proxies. It never got off the ground in New York, but I, I thought that that was a great bill. It's something that would make things so much easier uh, for us. Um, but I do advise clients, because you never know what's gonna happen, whether it's a car accident or you suddenly become ill, uh, to have the healthcare proxy. And again, in other states, it's a power of attorney for healthcare decision-making, fold it up and put in their wallets, female, put in their purse, because God forbid, if something happens when they're out and about, it's right there. And there's a number to call and a family member or 
close friend or anybody that you want to name as your agent right. can be reached. Right. And, and I understand, too, that, you know, people now say, well, if I don't have these things, how do I get them executed um, uh, given the pandemic? And so there are allowances now, right, in terms of what is allowable to execute these documents online in terms of docu signing and so forth. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for example, in New York State, uh, the governor has to sign executive orders every 30 days. He actually just did sign an, an executive order letting us do uh, uh, virtual notarizations and virtual witnessing. Uh, and that has just been extended for another month. And uh, I, I imagine that the governor is going to do that at least for the next six months. I'd be extremely surprised if he doesn't do that. And there is legislation in New York pending to address this issue and make it permanent. And so what that means to my clients and everyone out there listening to this great podcast is that, you know, you could be in your living room or your bedroom or even incapacitated in your bed and have your will signed, your power of attorney, your healthcare proxy, your living will, and have it be witnessed and notarized. And you could be alone in your apartment or your home. Uh, so that's the beauty of what happened. Obviously, it took a pandemic and so much loss and heartache to get there. But this is where we're at now. And I could only imagine that it's going to be permanent in most, in most states. Interesting. Good. Good to know that. Uh, now, uh, in terms of finding... Um, uh, you know, somebody who can work with you in this, an elder law attorney. Well, how do you find an elder law attorney? Um, you know, what, what are, and, and what should you ask them in terms of knowing who they are and what they do and how they work? Yeah, a very good question. I, you know, I, I feel that uh, just word of mouth is, is one very good way because if you have a couple of friends that use someone that you like, uh, that certainly is likely a good referral. I would say that uh, most of the clients that are referred to our office uh, are, is, would be word of mouth from prior clients. Uh, but if you don't know anyone like that, I think a good way to find a good elder law attorney is go on the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys website, and that's naela.org, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys.org. And just click on the little box that says looking for an attorney. And you just click on that box, put in your city, your state, and you'll, you'll have a list of attorneys that uh, will show up. And I actually personally uh, suggest that someone pick an attorney that's certified. Uh, they're called CELAs, C-E-L-A. It's an attorney that has gone through uh, a bar exam. And you know that attorney really does take elder law seriously, and it's important to them. Right, right. So Nela.org. Okay, that's I guess that's that's how it's pronounced, but right. Um, and um, so, okay, let's just say talk about that a little bit more. So you make sure that this is really their practice. This is what they do for a living. Um, yeah. And. Yeah. Um, um, are there any questions you should ask them uh, before, you know, as you're interviewing them? What, what, should, you, what should you look for in an attorney? Now, yeah. I know that you have, uh, you've mentioned me before, you have a background in social work, which I found very interesting. I do, I do. You know, it's interesting. Elder law is, is almost like part social work and, and part legal work. And uh, uh, I went to Brandeis Social Work School. I loved it. Uh, in college, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a social worker or a, an attorney or a musician because <laughs> I love music, um, but uh, uh, the law practice won out. And I just found, you know, that I, I found that I, I could actually help more people in the way I wanted to uh, being an attorney. And I, and I really do love doing it. But to answer the first part of your question, I think... The, the biggest thing that you should look for when you hire an elder law attorney is to make sure that that attorney does elder law and that part of elder law 
that you're looking for, whether it's Medicaid planning or guardianship work or trust work, make sure that they do that all the time. They could do it like the back of their hands because then they'll understand and know the little nuances. Right. It is amazing. If there's just a little nuance in a right. trust that you don't have it. Hold that thought, Ron. Hold that thought. We're gonna we're gonna take a short break, but when we get back, I wanted you to pick this up and elaborate a little bit more about that. So, folks, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. More with Ron Fatula after we return. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, Please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back to 45 Forward, where we're talking with Ron Fatula, a top elder law attorney, about what you and your family need to know about taking care of your legal and financial and state planning needs as you age, even in the midst of a pandemic. So, Ron, before the break, we were talking a little bit about what, what you look for in an elder law attorney and what you ask them. And one of the things that I found interesting and, and, and you focused on quite a bit is basically um, having the attorney be able to sort of guide the family through the process. And one of the things you've talked about is um, family meetings, you know, and the importance of that and the difficulty of that. Talk a little bit about what you mean by family meetings and when you advise to have them and what you want people to do. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I think it's very important that everyone, you know, 45 and older, should have their plan in place, whether it's an estate plan, if they have an estate tax issue, a plan to pay for long-term care, getting their documents in order, etc. And, uh, you know, that's that's essential. Uh, Depending on the family dynamics, because every family has a different dynamic. Every family is totally different. But if the parents or parent feels comfortable bringing their children into the conversation, if they have children, I think is a great idea if there's a lot of trust in that family. Uh, And uh, it it might help a lot of families. But other families don't want the children involved. Every family dynamic is different. But if there is trust with the children, uh, it, it may be a good idea to, to have these conversations with the family and many times let uh, a child know what you're thinking about if you feel comfortable with it. Uh, I found that money is a very strange thing when it comes to families. I had a, a, a client who had two children. One child had absolutely nothing. The other child sold a company to his own company to a tech company and made hundreds of millions of dollars. And in her will, she gave everything to her daughter. And with a whole big paragraph about how much she loves her son, but didn't provide for him financially because he's well-to-do. And uh, when the mother died, the son went berserk and started saying, my mother doesn't love me. She didn't provide for me. And money 
with many families, equates to love, uh, caring, etc. cetera. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have to be very careful. And sometimes uh, you do want to have some conversations and you don't want a child. Well, most people don't want a child to feel badly. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. But, you know, if you love your children, you want to have that conversation many times. And some people on the other hand, say to me, you know what, I'm not going to be here. And whatever happens, happens. I'll be gone. I'll be, you know, right. six feet under and right. they'll work it out. Right. But usually it, it, that's not the best idea. Yeah. Although I think in one of our previous conversations, it was interesting. The conversation, I think, overall was about broadly about, you know, love in our elder years. And uh, you mentioned an interesting notion, which is that, you know, you may not want to talk to your kids about money or the estate. You may want them to just, you know, like, well, that's your problem. But it is, you know, as I think as you put it, an act of love from the, the parent's perspective to as sort of a gift to your family to straighten these things out, um, to be clear about your intentions, about your wishes about a lot of things in your estate and your funeral preparation and stuff like that. You know, things that people normally don't want to think about, you know, and they put it off, but it is in fact sort of an act of love that you leave this, you know, relieve this burden of your, of your, your children as, as you pass on. Talk a little bit about uh, that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I say that all the time, Ron, you know, and I guess you, you must've heard me say that as well. Uh, I find that there's such a fear for many individuals, especially as they get older to discuss this, to, to get a plan in place. Uh, some people are superstitious. Uh, some people just don't want to deal with it. Uh, but it truly is an act of love, getting your affairs in order for your children, for your spouse. Number one, you could save on possibly estate taxes. Long-term care issues could be resolved. You're making it easier on your family in so many different uh, respects and saving money and protecting your assets for your family. So it truly is an act of love. It's an act of caring. And I do find many clients are very fearful coming into my office. They're nervous. Some people are very superstitious. If they sign a will, they're worried that they might pass away soon because they signed their will. Right. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> but uh, it, it works quite the contrary. Uh, your, your affairs will be in order. Clients who come into our office with fear or concern or, or jittery about doing this and they feel overwhelmed, they typically leave my office when the documents are done, even the virtual office. When the documents are done, they feel extremely relieved. I would say 100% of the time. Right. The documents are done, the plan is in place, and the client would thank me, thank our team, you know, one of the attorneys, whoever handled it, just be very grateful that this is done, assets are protected, maybe we're saving on estate taxes, we have a plan to pay for long-term care, and everyone is happy. Right. Now, I think the, the issue of long-term care, I think, is really coming to the fore. I think that you know, after many years, I think there Congress is actually, you know, I know at least a, f a few uh, congressmen, including uh, one of ours on Long Island, Tom Swazi, is working on a long-term care plan. I think this is really something that uh, has been on the minds and weighing sort of heavily uh, on on all generations, realizing that that this is the the challenge of living longer. Is that, um, you know, okay. <laughs> Inevitably, um, I think two thirds of people, I forget the exact statistics, but two thirds of the people, you know, past 65 um, are going to require some type of long-term care. And the problem is there's no um, specific way to deal with this. Uh, so talk about a little bit about some of the options people have. Yeah, well, for many people, the options are, are quite limited, but uh, Long-term care typically boils down to private pay, which is fine if you have enough money to private pay, privately pay for your care, but home care is very expensive 
And nursing home care is even more expensive. In the New York City, Long Island metropolitan area, uh, the average cost of one month in a nursing home, I would say is about $16,000, $17,000 a month for a nursing home care. Home care could be half of that. It could be even be more than that, depending on the level of care. Uh, but private pay is one option. Long-term care insurance is another option. But you can't get the insurance when you have an illness or when there's a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, senile dementia, even severe osteoporosis. You can't get the insurance. So you would have to have that insurance in place to begin with. Uh, Medicare is not, will not pay for long-term, long-term care insurance. They might pay for a little bit of home care here and there, might pay for the nursing home for up to 100 days in certain scenarios, but Medicare will not cover chronic long-term care expenses. And the only other way to do it right now is through the Medicaid program. And uh, uh, many of my clients do Medicaid planning with us. Uh, you know, they might have limited resources and they wanna make sure that a spouse will not be going bankrupt if something happens to them. The spouse will have enough resources and income to take care of herself or himself and uh, they might be concerned about a child or children. So we have, uh, we have Medicaid planning, which right now seems to be, for most of my clients, the only option out there. Um, and you're absolutely right. If Tom Swazi and other individuals are looking for a, a bipartisan way to deal with long-term health, uh, healthcare issues, that would be wonderful. Uh, but that will be very expensive. But if you think about it, the government is paying for so much of this to begin with. So there are ways to tackle this. Uh, and I'm so glad that the, the conversation is starting to happen. And I think that conversation is starting to happen now uh, because of the pandemic. You know, so many of us don't have the wherewithal to pay for these expenses because we might have lost our jobs and you know it's it's hard on us but it's very hard for the states as well uh, states have lost their shirts and they're looking to get every dollar that they can get as well and i know in many many states new york included uh, legislators are looking to save money they're not more getting more generous, for example, with the Medicaid program. They're getting quite a bit less generous. Right, so right. something is, has to happen. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, again, I think that one of the interesting things, and, and just getting back to the family conversation idea, is that, it, you know, it's not, you know, one conversation. You it's sort of at each stage, you need to have this kind of conversation and and really be open, I think, with um in many cases, your parents or your spouse about not only what what their needs are, but um, you know what um, what are the options are, what are their preferences. I mean, you know, my mom, you know, she made it very clear she wanted to remain at home, uh, and that was true. I think of many uh, parents of our my my parents' generation. You know, they had a notion of, uh, and I think things have gotten different. Although obviously, with the pandemic, there have been issues with nursing homes. But I think in those days, there was just a general fear of nursing homes. Like, don't ever put me in a nursing home, people would say to you. Um, and of course, in certain circumstances, there's no option. You know, if they, they have certain medical needs, they need to go there. But, um, you know, that clearly, you know, in order to meet my mother's wishes, we had to do some planning. You had to really think about how to do this. Um, you know, okay, um, home care, how do you do that? Do you need, it requires a lot of work to really, um, to figure this out, we knew we had some money, but we did need to figure out that we needed to um, set up a Medicaid trust, you know, an asset protection trust. Um, so maybe we can just talk a little bit about that, about how that one goes about doing that and, and what you need to know about that. And I know there have been some changes in the rules here as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, Ron, uh, when we do our consultations, they're typically one and a half to two hours. Uh, we don't need two hours to figure out what to do. We, we've helped so many uh, uh, seniors with planning, but it's the family dynamics. It's what the individual wants and needs are. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You spoke about your mom, my mom also. I think we're of the pretty much the same generation. My mom wanted to stay at home and we did keep her at home for as long as we could. But at some point she needed that extra care and we had to put her into a nursing home. And I remember the day we went with her uh, uh, to the nursing home. She had quite a bit of dementia, but we took her to the nursing home and I said, mom, you're gonna be staying here now uh, but we're going to come to visit you every single day, which we did uh, till she passed away. And her, uh, my mother raised her finger like she was going to scold us. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, "Uh oh, what's going to happen? And she said, who's going to pay for this lovely, lovely hotel? And my brother and I looked at each other and we just gave us each other the thumbs up. Thank God she's going to get the care she needed. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were happy about that. But we kept her at home until she didn't even, wouldn't even realize that she wasn't at home. And she actually flourished in the nursing home because she needed a nurse on staff there all the time. She unfortunately got chronic UTIs and the nurse was there all the time. And she needed that. And she did better with that. So our conversations with our clients, you know, it, it's, Nobody comes in and says, I want to go into a nursing home. But a lot of people do come in and say, you know, uh, I, I'm okay staying at home, but I feel pretty isolated being this, in this house all alone. And if I could go into a fancy assisted living facility, I'd be, you know, a little happier. You know, I don't want to look at the four walls. I want to talk to people. I want to play games. I want to take some of these trips, you know, the bus trips and all of this. Uh, so you really want to have a conversation with your family, with the elder law attorney. What do you want? And the planning will revolve around what you want and what, your, uh, what assets you have and how do we structure the plan. Uh, you referred to, Ron, uh, the Medicaid Asset Protection Trust. Uh, but you know, we don't put in a client's, all our client's assets into that Medicaid Asset Protection Trust, which is irrevocable. We don't just dump all the assets in that trust. You know, we have lots of conversations with our client to see what their comfort level is. Uh, you know, they might say, I want to protect my home and I want to protect X and I want to protect Y, but I'm going to need X amount of dollars so I'm going to feel totally secure. So right. Yeah, you know, we said that's perfectly fine. It's your money. Whatever you need, you can have. And whatever you want to protect, we will make sure will be protected. And right. uh, differs between families. Right. Yeah, I think that, you know, it, it that isn't some of the points you raised, I think, are really important in terms of, you know, being, you know, as I say, you know, um, person-centric, like what is it your parents or your spouse really wants and what do they need? And I think that, you know, they're, when you talk to people as they age, they say, oh, what do you, what, I want to age in place. I want, you know, I have the comfort of my home. This is where I, you know, raise my children. This is where I want to stay. And I think that's true up to an extent, you know, as you pointed out, as we get older, you know, and, and you know, the children move out. So, and uh, some cases, unfortunately, a spouse dies. So you're alone in the house. And so I think that you really need to think about um, the balancing the comfort of your current environment with what's really best for your, in many cases, your parents in terms of social connection, you know, isolation, do they have enough support, um, you know, and I think, that, you know, the social piece is really important. And I think that's why, you know, it's not like, okay, well, she can't stay at home. So now she, she or he needs to go to a to an assisted living facility, but it doesn't have to be has to. 
It could be, this is a better option for you to age in place in a better way that enables you um, to be connected to people. You know, one of the things that I think we've talked a lot about these days is social isolation and how damaging that is literally to people's health as they get older. Um, and and it, it really has an impact on longevity. And so I think that this has become an increasingly important piece and um, should be part of the conversation. So I think, um, you know, we just have a couple seconds left before we were going to take a break. But I think I'd like to pick up uh, on that a little bit more when we get back and talk about some of the options we have uh, beyond uh, the normal ones. So uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, uh, but uh, we'll, be much, we'll be back with Ron Fatula after the break with much more on taking care of your family's finances and legal affairs. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, everyone, to 45 Forward, where we're here talking with Ron Fatula, a top elder law attorney. And uh, before the break, we were talking with Ron about, you know, how to make sure that our parents age in place in places that are most appropriate and most supportive of them. Um, I wanted to shift a little bit in our last segment just to talk about um, a little bit more about estate needs and about which we touched on earlier. But um, there's one story that, um, you know, that uh, I found compelling that you shared with me a while ago, Ron, which was um, with your, your brother who unfortunately has passed on, but um, you, um, there was, there are certain things that uh, your parents, your family have that, that are, you know, singular, you know, you can't just divide up things up. You have to um, basically figure out, you know, what to do with these assets, usually personal assets and how you share them, how you allocate them. Um, and, and find some creative ways of dealing with this. So why don't you just, um, you know, talk about some of these stories that you've encountered, yeah. either yourself yeah, well, or others. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, very interesting. My, my father passed away when I was 17, and my brother is three years older, uh, was three years older than me. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a pretty simple deal as far as the estate. But my father... When he had to take a business trip uh, to Switzerland, uh, and when he was in Switzerland once, he splurged on a Patek Philippe watch that he absolutely loved, and he wore it all the time. And when he passed away, my brother and I just wanted to wear that watch. You know, it's it, it's the closeness. He wore it all the time. He didn't wear any other jewelry except for a wedding ring, and uh, it was we both wanted it. And I always got along well with my brother. And so we looked at each other and we said, 
what can we do? There's only one watch. We both can't have it. And I remember we, we, one of us said that and we looked at each other and we said, well, we can both have, we can both have this watch because there's only one of them. So what we did was uh, we decided to share the watch and annually, we picked a time annually where uh, uh, there would be a changing of guard on the watch. We would have it insured uh, and I get to wear the watch for a full year. He got to wear the watch for a full year as well. And that's how we handled it. Uh, it's very interesting now because my brother did pass away and uh, uh, we're getting to the next generation. God forbid, you know, when I pass away, what's gonna happen to it? And the next generation is already talking about the watch because they knew how much it meant to us emotionally, psychologically. My dad was, I thought, the most amazing father anyone could have. And uh, we both cherished cherish this and uh, that's how we worked it out. Um, but, you know, there are many families where things aren't just that easy and there's only one of a kind things and what are you gonna do about it? And sometimes the only way to resolve that is to, is to do it in a, in a round robin situation sometimes uh, where let's say there are three children, uh, they don't get along well, there are certain unique one of, one of a kind items. Uh, so the three children can draw lots, who gets to pick first, who gets to pick second, who gets to pick third, and we keep rotating in that order. Every one-of-a-kind item is appraised, and everyone has the same shot. Right. You know, right. So that is one way to deal with it. Right. Another way is to just let the executor control it. And oftentimes that's not the best way to do it unless the families really get along. Right, right. You know, in fact, Ron, that's your, the round robin um, process was precisely what my brothers and I did um, with my mom's personal assets. And, uh, you know, it took some doing and, and I think that it worked out well. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit like, uh, you know, football, you know, draft lottery, you know, right? Where you, um, you know, we, you list all the items um, and uh, I don't think we had them appraised, but they were because they were basically of personal value and sentimental interest. But, you know, we, I think um, uh, one of my brothers, especially my brother Ray sort of did a inventory of all the assets and he put, laid them out and we all had lists of them. And, um, you know, one of my brothers was in South Carolina. So we, we had him come in via, you know, a phone and uh, we just, you know, went through just like you said, you know, but it was like, oldest to youngest first, you know, you know, and then that's the first round. And then the second round, the youngest starts and then to the oldest. So it's, you know, it, it took some doing, but I think that people, you know, felt that it was fair. I think that's the key issue. Do people feel that they were listened to and they were, it was as fair as possible. And I think that that's, you know, uh, you can't make everything equal in many cases, but I think you're right. If there's, if there's some sense that people have a voice um, I mean, you could, as you said, you could say, listen, we can't resolve this, have someone else pick it, an executor. But I think if families can do this, you know, uh, even though everyone is not totally satisfied, I think they feel as if they were, everyone had a shot at things and that it doesn't result in, um, you know, resentments, you know, that, you know, I think, as you know, that a lot of times um, when it comes down to doing these sorts of things, all of a sudden family resentments percolate up from, uh, you know, fourth grade, you know, <laughs> where you did that and you took this and you never, you know, mom, you know, dad always loved you more. And so, you know, and so I think it's tough, but you need to get these emotions out. I mean, it's, it is, as you pointed out, a really emotional thing. It is very emotional. It reminds me, Ron, of the uh, Smothers Brothers. Mom always liked you best. And, you know, I, I it's true that there is a lot of underlying emotional issues that causes a lot of these, these problems that children have. And I think communication is the key. If you're open with it, if all the, you know, let's say the three children, 
everyone is open about everything. And it's right there. Everything is very transparent. There's consistent communication. The issues usually don't rise to a level where they can't be resolved amicably. Right. Now, Ron, in the time we have left, are, are there any things that people should watch out for, sort of common mistakes in, in preparing documents or in, in working on estate plans? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the biggest issue, look, this is not a, a DIY situation. You, you don't want to do this on your own. So uh, you would want to consult with a, a good experienced elder law attorney uh, in your state. Uh, and that's, that's really the, the key. Uh, you don't wanna go to a general practitioner that you know, does personal injury work, divorce work, and on the shingle, it also says uh, uh, elder law. You don't, you don't want that. You want an elder law attorney that's dedicated. This is what they do. So they, they'll know all the little nuances that you need to know when you do this, because there are a ton. Uh, I would say virtually every week, uh, a client comes into our office. It could have been a, a GP that you know says he does elder law work or she does, and a trust is not drafted right. And the assets in that trust aren't protected, but the client thought that they have been protected for the last five years, and now there are issues. This has happened to so many clients. And recently it happened with, can't mention the name, but a, a pretty fairly famous uh, athlete that everyone would know, but you know, the, the, the trust wasn't done well. Uh, either on the Medicaid side, the asset protection or long-term care side, sometimes even on the estate planning side. So I would say just make sure you go to someone that's absolutely trustworthy, that does this all the time and has a good reputation. Right. I think the mistake that I would um, point out was simply just not planning ahead of time, you know, <laughs> sort of not being able to, to deal with these issues. Um, you know, I have a, a little bit of a, a wry term for this sort of behavior, which I call, you know, PDD you know, planning deficit disorder, <laughs> meaning no disrespect to anyone. It's not obviously not really a disorder in a medical sense, but I think it's, you know, it is, it is a problem. I think people psychologically just feel, you know, as you mentioned earlier in the show, that it's sort of a, if I do this, something, you know, fatalistically is going to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, I admit, you know, it's, if you have some extra time, you know, are you going to watch a, you know, a pro basketball game or are you going to work in your estate planning? Well, <laughs> If you have this time on a Saturday afternoon, it's hard to do. But I think that um, it is something that is, is is valuable as a means of really providing comfort for your family. You know, I, um, I tell my clients, uh, you saw the Nike commercial, just do it, right? So, uh, you know, I tell individuals, you know, you might be nervous or you're not sure what you want. Have the conversation, see the attorney, get the ball rolling. I could almost guarantee you're going to feel better having done that. Right, right. Um, uh, and any other uh, sorts of issues that come up, you know, in the broad areas of elder law that, you know, besides, I mean, I guess that there, there, there are things we should be aware of in terms of the trust and understanding revocable versus irrevocable trust, but also, um, and I don't know if they're, they're the pooled income trusts who are also helpful for, to pay for expenses with people mm -hmm. with disabilities, um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, and also my mom qualified for one of these trusts, you know, she got older and uh, it was very, it was very valuable. I um, mean, she, she was on long-term, uh, a long-term care plan, managed care. Um, but the, I've, you know, she was able to stay in her home using one, the, the resources of these trusts. Yeah, uh, well, uh, pooled income trusts are great. In New York, we use these trusts in a Medicaid home care context so that the surplus or extra income above the $904 a month would go into this pooled income trust and can be used by the Medicaid recipient to pay for all expenses so they could stay at home. And how great is that? Um, 
things are going to be a bit complicated because uh, Medicaid home care in New York is drastically changing. We're not exactly sure when. It looks like it might be April 1, and then again, it might be July 1. But uh, the way we're going to deal with this, with pooled income trust, will change in the future. And I would say one of the biggest issues going forward is you got to be very careful because Medicaid home care in New York has changed. Uh, Long-term care has changed. We have offices in New York City and Long Island, and believe it or not, the planning that we do or the Medicaid applications that we do are different in New York City than in Long Island. Believe it or not, it's different. Yes, the laws are the same, but the policy is different. So what I would advise your listeners are that things change, but especially in this area of the law, they change very often. So make sure you see an elder law attorney that's gonna be conversant in all these changes and update, you know, whatever you're doing, make sure it's updated so that you have everything in place. Great, great. Well, I know there's much more to talk about, but um, I think that's where we'll have to leave it today, Ron. I wanna thank you so much for a terrific, informative conversation. And we can keep it going even after the show is finished. If people want to find out more about you, they can go to they can go to my website, robellresources.com. We have a 45 forward tab where I, they can find out more about you and what you've done and link to you. How do people get in touch with you, Ron, if they want to have questions? Uh, sure. They could actually just email me at rfatula at fatulalaw.com or simply call my office. Uh, I could give you my uh, Long Island number, 516 516- Four six six four four two two. Great, great. So thanks again, Ron. I really appreciate it. Uh, and and for those of you out there, please join me next Monday, uh, twelve noon Pacific time, three p.m. Eastern time. Where I'll be talking with Lisa Kingsbury, a longtime yoga instructor, and Ken Taub, who leads workshops in mindfulness and meditation. It'll be a unique conversation, so be sure to tune in next week. Thanks so much, and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Rowell, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.